What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. If you go to Cliffside Drive in Malibu, as we have, you'll find three enormous compounds there. They're behind huge walls. They're multi-story residences set on two to three acres on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. This is investigative reporter Greg Miller. For years, almost no one in this celebrity enclave knew who owned these luxury properties. Until our stories published and revealed that they've been owned by King Abdullah of Jordan. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Tuesday, October 5th. Today, we're continuing our deep dive into the Pandora Papers, a global investigation from the Post and ICIJ into 11.9 million newly obtained documents. They reveal a secret financial universe for the wealthiest and most powerful people. The Pandora Papers are a collection of financial documents that are drawn from different financial services firms all over the world. Greg has been looking at how these firms set up shell companies, trusts, and other entities to help wealthy people shield their money. One of those people is the King of Jordan. And he doesn't just own three fancy houses in Malibu. It's luxury properties in Washington, London, more than $100 million in real estate in total, all purchased in secret. And that is calling into question where he got all this money from and what we really know about this world leader. Mr. President, honorable members, your excellencies, my friends, thank you all. It is an honor to speak before the European Parliament once again. King Abdullah is the monarch ruler of Jordan, and he has been in that position now for several decades. You know, he's regarded as a pillar of stability in the Middle East. He's, his country is an ally of the United States. He is an ally of the United States. They have worked with the United States in counterterrorism missions, have been at the United States side during wars. I want to thank you, Your Majesty, for your enduring and strategic relationship with the United States. You've always been there, and uh, we will always be there for Jordan. They have taken refugees into Jordan over and over again. He rules a country in the Middle East that's very close to the West and highly regarded by the West. Globally, King Abdullah is seen as a close ally to the U.S. But in Jordan, his reputation is a little bit more complicated. Here's a guy who many Muslims believe is a descendant of the Prophet Muhammad. But on the other hand, is somebody who was largely raised abroad. He went to Georgetown University and Sandhurst, the fancy school in the U.K. Arabic is not even his first language. It's English. And, a lot, and many people in Jordan mock the way he speaks Arabic because it seems so difficult for him. And so he cultivates, actually, an image of somebody who is a ruler but of the people and very in tune with their lives and concerns 
while at the same time wanting to position themselves as, a, as a, one of the secret club or the elite club of royals in the world. And these newly uncovered documents show just how far he's gone to become part of this global elite. So these documents show us that over the past decade, King Abdullah has secretly been on a buying spree in terms of luxury property, that he's bought three enormous houses in Malibu, one right next to the other, overlooking the ocean. He's bought a collection of condos in a high-priced building in the Georgetown section of Washington, D.C. He bought multiple units in a part of London called Belgravia, very near Buckingham Palace, to create a massive residence there. And none of this was public. None of this was revealed to the people of Jordan or anybody until we found the evidence of these transactions in the Pandora files. Part of me hears this, and when I think of someone who is the king of a country, I mean, I don't know that many kings, but I imagine that a lot of kings and queens buy fancy properties around the world and have lots of money to spend on things that are somewhat exorbitant. But what is it about the process by which these real estate transactions were done that is raising eyebrows and the fact that it was kept secret? He is Jordanian royalty, he could easily argue, look, I'm the king, I'm a royal, like any other royal, I'm entitled to have some lavish places around the world. But he didn't do that in this case. He went to significant lengths to conceal these transactions and to hide his ownership of them. And the other thing I would say, Martine, is, as you said, you know, you expect royalty to do this, but Abdullah's in a slightly different category, right? He's not the ruler of Saudi Arabia, which is awash in oil money, or other Gulf states where they're also sitting on riches of natural resources. Abdullah is running a country that doesn't have any of that. And so, you know, it raises a lot of questions about where this money came from. And I think it's also important to point out, I mean, my understanding is, is that to be the king of Jordan is not strictly just a ceremonial role, right? Your your job isn't just to show up and give people medals and uh, be nice to people, but that there is real executive and legislative power with this job, which I imagine is also making it more pressing to understand where this money came from. Yeah, I mean, he is the ruler of his country in a way that the Queen of England is not. He also has a lot to answer for, for how things are functioning in Jordan. And at the moment, and over the past 10 years, that that hasn't always been great. Jordan's economy has really struggled and taken multiple downturns over the past decade. There have been repeated protests, street-level protests in Jordan about austerity measures, about the lack of jobs, about perceived corruption in the kingdom. After months of relatively peaceful protest, angry crowds in Jordan are now calling for revolution and for King Abdullah to lead reforms or step down. Anger has been growing over a controversial new tax law, which many say will worsen the plight of poorer Jordanians and squeeze the middle class. Protesters have also criticized politicians for squandering public funds and corruption. So there's a lot of frustration and a lot of anger. And so the idea that at the same time there's been all of this outpouring of frustration over the economic conditions for people who live in his country, that while that's happening, the king is secretly snapping up luxury real estate beyond Jordan's borders, you know, it's going to be hard to explain to some people. After the break, how King Abdullah defends these secret purchases. 
We'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. And what has Abdullah said about this? What is his explanation? So the king addressed this briefly on Monday. So he's basically depicting this as part of a conspiracy against him. And of course, the king faced a coup plot in Jordan earlier this year in which he had his half-brother and about 19 other people arrested. This morning, the royal family there is reeling from a dramatic rift between brothers. Jordanian authorities accuse King Abdullah II's own half-brother Hamza of taking part in an attempt to overthrow the government. Now, Hamza, who's Jordan's former crown prince, has been releasing videos and voice recordings about all this. He's thought to be under house arrest at his palace in Amman and says his phone and internet lines have now been cut off. He denies the conspiracy claims, but he's very critical of the king's leadership and what he calls corruption, nepotism and misrule. So he's trying to play on that, I think. The royal family also released a statement that said some puzzling things, basically said, look, he's a royal and and people know that he has properties overseas and homes and things. That is not secret. But really, everything about our reporting shows that it was secret. And in fact, there was a lot of effort to keep it a secret. In one of the emails that we cite in our story, his financial advisor is so determined to keep it a secret that he tells the company setting up offshore accounts for Abdullah, don't even use his name, just calls him you-know-who. You know, I wonder if there's an argument to be made that, look, this is a high-profile figure, a person who is the head of his country, and maybe he would just want these transactions to be secret because if he's traveling abroad or staying in one of these houses, he doesn't want there to be a security risk or for people to be able to know where he lives so that they, they can target him potentially. Is that... Uh, an argument that has been raised, or is this kind of secrecy something that we've seen with other heads of states and where and how they buy their own foreign properties? So that's a really good point, and it is one that that the king's defenders have raised. The kingdom hired a law firm to represent Abdullah as we started posing questions to the king about his purchases, and this was one of the arguments they made. Look, he needs to keep these properties secret. It's a security threat. And it's true that Abdullah has faced terrorist plots against him over the years. Uh, He lives in a very volatile part of the world, the Islamic State. Al-Qaeda have all been active and plotted against him. So that's real. But at the same time, I mean, these are properties on the beach in Malibu. You know, it's hard to see how these are estates that represent the government or kingdom of Jordan. What do you think are some of the other questions that are raised by the reporting that's been unearthed here? I think that there's a couple things that are important in, in terms of the context of this story. Jordan doesn't have a lot of revenue that it can generate for itself. The United States gave Jordan a billion and a half dollars in aid last year alone. Jordan is the third largest recipient of U.S. aid in the world after Afghanistan and Israel, and probably soon will be moving up to number two in that ranking. So, I mean, the the idea that you have a country that's taking that much in aid from the United States, and not only the United States, 
but that while that's happening, its ruler is secretly splurging on luxury real estate in the United States, I think would be an issue that you know, some U.S. officials are going to have a hard time accepting. I spoke to former U.S. intelligence and diplomatic officials who worked closely with Jordan, and they described this behavior as reckless on his part, as undermining his standing with the U.S., undermining his standing with his own people. So just to read between the lines, I mean, it sounds like the question that people are having right now is could some of this USA that has gone to Jordan actually be what's being used by the king to buy fancy properties abroad? So the king in his statements has insisted that no public money, no aid money was diverted here. This was all from his own private wealth. And U.S. officials that I talked to also felt pretty confident that the United States money is pretty thoroughly accounted for, unlikely that he was diverting that money and using it. In some ways, it's all connected. When you pour a billion and a half dollars into a country in any given year, uh, I mean, that money sloshes around that country. That money supports and sustains that country. I mean, where do you really draw the line between whatever personal wealth Abdullah has and whatever wealth and and revenue comes into his state? Jordan also receives hundreds of millions of dollars each year from countries in the Middle East, like Kuwait, the United Arab Emirates, and at times, Saudi Arabia. And U.S. officials and experts on Jordan told Greg that there is far less transparency about that Gulf money. The king has a lot of latitude with how it's used and sometimes uses it to reward prominent families for supporting him. But while there is still a lot of questions being asked, it's hard to know how much the royal family will have to answer them. It's hard to know yet how much visibility this will even have in Jordan. We posted a story on our website on Monday saying that one media outlet dared to actually put a story about this on their website, about the Pandora documents and what they say about Abdullah, and quickly got a call from the country's intelligence service telling them to take that down. I think there will be a great effort to suppress this in Jordan. And Jordan uh, is a fairly repressive place. It is not easy for people to criticize the king and not face some consequence for that. Greg Miller is an investigative foreign correspondent for The Post. Ariel Plotnick produced this story. It was edited by Maggie Penman. Today's show was mixed by Sean Carter. If this story piqued your interest in how the world's wealthiest people are hiding their money offshore, I highly recommend going back to listen to yesterday's Post reports about how the trust industry in South Dakota is sheltering the assets of international millionaires and billionaires. We'll be continuing to uncover the biggest revelations from the Pandora Papers all week on the show. We'll put a link to the project in our show notes and at postreports.com. This kind of reporting is only possible because of our subscribers. I hope that you'll consider a subscription. Right now, you can try The Post for just $1 a week, which gets you unlimited access to everything we publish. Learn more at WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.